from the KUAM Podcast Network, this is Arlene Live with conversation on island issues facing Guam and the Northern Mariana Islands. Now, here's Arlene. Hey everyone, this is Arlene Steffi, the host of Arlene Live on the KOM Podcast Network. Today's show is going to feature an interview I conducted on April 9, 2002 as a talk show host at K57 Radio. What makes this an interesting interview is that Anna Lucia Hill had been an exotic dancer on Guam at the time she decided to pursue her master's. And we often hear about how many of these exotic dancers dance because the money's good. Many of them do it to pursue a degree. It really was that way with Anna. And then I decided now that I'm a podcast host with the KOM Podcast Network, this would be a nice opportunity to catch up with Anna and find out what she's doing after 17 years. So part one is a partial interview of Anna in April 2002. And the reason it's partial is I believe it was a bit of a shock that I brought on an exotic dancer to the show. And I I honestly believe that the board operator forgot to turn on the recorder until the second half of the program. You will only be listening to a portion of that interview, but there's enough there that you can enjoy the program. And of course, we will include the callers to the show. Part two of the program with Anna Lucia Hill would be a catch-up on what she's doing today. And I think you'll enjoy this show. So here we go. This is part one with Anna Lucia Hill. Or some guy, you know. Always brought a guy with you. And uh, there's no touching, nothing. You know, there has to be a certain distance. And it has to be a party of six or more. (gasps) And so it was very easy, actually. The first time, the first... uh, party that I did was for a group of cops and I think there was exactly six of them it was a party of six I was so lucky that time and when I walked in I was kind of nervous and the cops were kind of nervous too he he said I'd say he said to me ma'am can you can you just try to be you know you don't have to go crazy just dance a little bit you know don't uh don't get you know don't get out of hand and I you know I wasn't ready to go, you know, to, to go get that out of hand. Far. Yeah. When, when he said get out of hand, what exactly was he? Did he mean? I'm not exactly sure. I've, okay. I, when my the times that I danced in the states, I never had any problems with anybody. There wasn't really any uncomfortable situations. I didn't dance too much though. It was mm-hmm. only for a period of maybe four months. You know, maybe twice a month. While you were in college. While I was in college. Yeah. Now, the, the attitude of the individuals in the States, toward dancing nude or, or, or performing in, in groups, how did they treat you? What sort of manner did they treat you in that respect? While I was dancing? Mm-hmm. How did they treat you? I mean, you walk into a room, and how do they act around you? Well, I, I, people have different behaviors. Some of them are kind of quiet, and they're just sort of watching the whole thing and watching the other people watching the show. <laughs> people watching people, people watching. Po- yeah. watching people. And then uh, some people are just, uh, you know, expressive and... Uh, Expressive, like cat calls and whoo Oh, yes. Sometimes. And um, 
Well, some of them are more, you know, enterprising and the, the bargaining process. And uh, oh, you need to explain that to us. Like they would offer you about twenty dollars, twenty to fifty dollars to stay longer, okay, or to remove the bottom of your clothing because it was only required to be topless. I see. Only topless. You've never been totally nude then? I've never been totally nude in Florida. The first time I danced on a stage for money totally nude was on Guam. Actually, it was in Saipan, but I w wasn't officially dancing. I just got on stage because some of the dancers let me. <laughs> so they dressed me up and got me on stage in Saipan. But that was before I started dancing in Guam. For real? Yeah. 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 So when was the first time you went totally nude? Totally nude on stage was Guam. I think I got partially nude in Saipan. <laughs> you think? I can't remember. Okay. <laughs> it, what sort of, um, what sort of feeling? What sort of, uh, what do you go through when you're in front of a group performing? Do you lose yourself into the, the act? Do, what do you do? Are you conscious of their every movement, their feelings, their body language? Do you assess what they're doing? What, what happens to you on the stage? When you're on stage, well, you can have different views of it. Sometimes you're concentrating more on your dance and your performance, that you've got something prepared to do if, you, if there's a big crowd around the stage. If there's a smaller crowd, maybe there's more of a, an you know, emphasis on trying to get to know them in, as individuals. Personal, yeah. yeah. So the, the private dance, or not the private dance, the lap dance, the stage dance is more intimate when there's less people. So you try to draw them out? You try to... You're, you're more in tune with how they're responding? Yeah. Uh, takes, you know, there, there is a certain amount of chemistry between right. different people. So, right. uh, you know, when you're dancing in a club on Guam, for example, you're interacting with a lot of people and trying to figure out, you know, what's the best chemistry that mm -hmm. works in a way that the money will be made. Sure. You're also yeah. thinking about sure. the money. Of course. The whole and, time. Uh, yeah. Because it's your job. Yeah. Do you find somebody in that group that you click with so that you can perform better? Do you find that that Oh, yeah. You? A lot of people. Um, I've, I've had a great... I danced for two years on Guam. Those two years were the most stable years of my life. I was really? living very comfortably. I worked five nights a week, and my two days off, I went to class in the afternoons, and I had the whole night off. And uh, I was saving a lot of money. I, was, I had two student loans that I paid off one entire one. And, like, wow. about a third of the second one. And uh, it, was, it was easy to live. And there was a lot of, uh, you know, it was comfortable and it was fun because there was a lot of people that you met in the club that you clicked with. It sure. was, uh, you know, you made a lot of friends and... Resources, you know, contacts. And I, I actually met a lot of people from different academic fields. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of things to talk about with a lot of people. Did people ever act surprised that here you are, somebody oh, who's yes. an exotic dancer <laughs> who has quite a brain? Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> How did they treat you then? Oh, well, sometimes, you know, I think they try to compliment me by, <laughs> by isolating me from the rest of the girls oh, there. No. And, uh, like you were somehow better? Yeah, like, uh, you know, well, you're probably the only one here that has a college education, and which is entirely not true. There's, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, there's a lot of women on Guam that are going to college and taking classes and th that have their own businesses on the mainland, that commute between the U.S. and the mainland, that dance in Alaska, Hawaii, Puerto Rico. There is a, an entire network, complex network of... Uh, 
exotic dancers. This American-style exotic dancing mm. industry in different U.S. territories and on the mainland. And it sounds like a great entrepreneur kind of thing to be in, yeah, too. Yeah, it's a very profitable business. It's the most profitable nightlife business on Guam. I, I need to clear one thing up, though. I think a lot of people equate exotic dancing with prostitution. And you've already very described... Often. Yeah, you've already described... It was no touching. Well... But how much of the no well, touching during the dancing is there really after the dancing? In, in any of... Is, is, is that perception correct? In many cases? Which which one exactly? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to really make me work here. All right, let me ask you this. How much prostitution is actually involved in the association of strippers or with strippers? Okay. Um, well, I'll start out by saying that there's no touching in the States. That's right. And uh, on Guam, there are laws against touching, but they're not enforced. Okay. I think, uh, I think t- laws... There's two laws on Guam that aren't enforced. One is uh, marijuana use, and uh, the in other the one... No, anywhere. Oh, anywhere. Everybody okay. on Guam. <laughs> not and, me uh, and not her. <laughs> a lot of people. And um, the other one is the, the laws against touching on Guam. Okay. okay. It's, it's uh, very loose, liberal, and... Uh, Every every dancer has her own defines her own limits. Sure. So you could say I'm not comfortable with this, and you'd get help from where you were dancing, or. Well, you can walk away from any situation that you're not comfortable with, and look for someone else to sit with. Hmm. How um, did you have you been touched dancing? All the time for two years. You know, touching occurs on a daily basis. It's like uh, it begins to feel like nothing abnormal. Uh, kind of like going to the gynecologist and getting a breast exam, you know, <laughs> which most the, the, of us are the, not the comfortable very, with. The, yeah, right. <laughs> I, the very first time you were touched here, after no, after knowing that that was a taboo and everywhere else you danced, uh-huh. how did you react? What did you well, do? I was definitely surprised, but when I was when I had just started living on Guam, I. I was already getting settled in, and I wanted to stay in the island region, and mm-hmm. I wanted to get my master's degree. So I had, you know, I made a choice mm-hmm. to accept it. I see. It was par for the course. Yeah. But you did draw a line somewhere, Anna. Yeah, I drew my own lines. Well, how, where, and how? Well, that's uh, really personal. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we can only go as far as you're willing. Well, that's usually what customers say. So, <laughs> really? Uh, Just like that. We can yeah. only go as far as you're willing. So you set the tone. Yes. Well, that's pretty empowering, yeah. isn't it? Very much. So, basically, the, the champagne rooms, the private rooms on Guam is, you know, they're, uh, they're private dance rooms. I, I would say most dancers on Guam will tell you that they don't have sex. I mean, there's mm-hmm. generally no sex offered in those rooms. But it's not to say that it doesn't happen because you're free to do what you want to do in there. There's nobody else watching you. There's no video camera. So it, the choice is is the it's the woman's choice, right? So there's a stereotype of dancers being prostitutes, especially in Guam, where you have this touching situation, mm-hmm. and um, that's uh, I think that it's mostly untrue. There are prostitutes or sex workers that employ themselves in the clubs. They, you know, in and out of the clubs. But it's not organized in any fashion. It's an, indiv- in an individual. It's very independent. Okay. Very, very self-employable. Yeah. 
I have a, a email here from um, Roy. I, I will only say his first name. He says, when I was on Guam, we always joked about strippers and how whenever you ask them why they strip, they always stated, I'm saving money for college. I guess in some cases this is true. And Anna, in your case, it's for masters. You already had a college degree coming out. It says, I have deep respect for strippers. I really mean that. Plus, they look so good, especially with all the dollar bills. Where do, ha- where do dollar bills hang on your body? Oh, well, there's, there's endless ways of holding a dollar or displaying a dollar or putting it away. You have um, two minutes to give me a few. Because <laughs> then I have to go to Headline News, and we can't wait to come back to you. <laughs> well, uh, I would say that... You know, there are a lot of people that do have a great respect for women. And the reason men go to strip bars is because they want to look at naked women. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that. I think sexuality in general forms a large part of ourselves and uh, societies and how they, you know, how they develop and how the, you know, what male roles are, what Mm -hmm. female roles are, and, you know, how everything is uh, sort of gendered. And, uh, and that's part of what your thesis was on, wasn't it? Yeah. And yeah. The, the strip club is a space where this, um, you know, this interaction between a female nude on stage and, and a man that's gazing at a naked body in front of him is like right at the core of what, what happens today and how the striptease is a form of visual gratification in a time of AIDS. and. Hmm. You know, there, there's uh, since the 1990s, there's been a lot of strip clubs opening in the States, a lot of topless bars. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there's been a, definitely an increase in voyeurism and Internet and mm-hmm. cyberspace, you know. Good point. Looky, but there is nobody to touch on the Internet. And that going to a strip bar, you're kind of an unavailable, unattainable, but a dancer. You're a beautiful body up there. I know. I, yeah, I, I was, could go dance in one of those bars. They'd be screaming, put it on! Put it on! <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, that's another point that, that probably should be made is that most of the dancers probably are within a certain age group. Mm. Very, very wide range. Yeah. Oh, really? Yes. What's, who's the oldest that you know? What, what old? Don't mention the name, just the age. How old is the oldest dancer? I've met dancers ranging from 18 to... Maybe 50. Oh, that's old, yeah. <laughs> it's preservation, girlfriend. It's all <laughs> yeah. preservation. But and you will never it's, tell. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, see, there's a narrower weight range. Right? That's right. Good shape, though, right? Yeah, well, there's also, you know, a large variety of ideal women. Right. Okay. Perceptions Absolutely. of the ideal woman. Yeah. Are there's you an ideal woman? women. Do you, have, do you fit that perception I of I think I woman? fit the perception for a certain group of people, you know, mostly... Yeah. Uh, I find you very attractive. Thank very, you. You're a very pretty girl. You heard it here. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Annie is. Annie is beautiful. I mean, she doesn't have makeup on or anything, but you have very, very, very clear features, very attractive features. Thanks. Of course, I can't see the rest of you, but I will defer to more expert eyes on that one. We're going to take a break here. Go to Headline News, folks. We'll be right back. Marlene Live. She'll talk about anything. And she'd love to talk with you. Give her a call here on News Talk K57 Radio. This is Arlene Live, and we've got more coming up in just a moment.
Hey everybody, and what is going on? Jason Salas here with KUM Digital, and I'm going to get you right back to your show in just a moment, but I am popping in to let you know about the amazing opportunities you have to sell your brand, get customers for your service, or promote your event on all our library of podcasts on the KUM Podcast Network. Our shows have global distribution and are sent to all the major podcast directories and devices, from mobile phones and tablets to laptops and smart speakers to integrated TVs and all on demand. By running an audio ad on the KUM Podcast Network, you'll guarantee timely exposure and market penetration for your stuff and see immediate results no matter what your end game or actionable items are. You want to drive downloads for a cool new app that you've built? Done. Want to see your restaurant gain an instant surge in foot traffic? Easy peasy, man. Does your business need some sort of boost? All you got to do is plug a promo code that ties into an incentive and see measurable, tangible results that very same day. Podcasting is the internet's fastest growing ad platform, and you can reach customers and partners now. To find out more about our ad opportunities and how podcast plugs can work for you, get in touch with us at podcast at KUAM.com. Just think about it. Your ad could be running right here instead of my shrill voice, and your business would have a big leg up on the competition. So don't let this opportunity to connect with customers, extend your reach, and increase your effective exposure pass you by. Get in touch with the KUM digital marketing experts by emailing podcasts at KUAM.com. That's podcasts, plural, at KUAM.com. And let us put together an effective marketing plan for your stuff, just like this ad has been. See what I did there? Now, more Arlene Live on the KUAM Podcast Network. We're in studio talking about empowerment of women. And that's what the series is about. We have a few calls here. Oh, what is a lap dance? A lap dance? A listener dance? would like to know, what's a lap dance? A lap dance is usually when the dancer is off stage and walking around the floor and offering a lap dance, uh, a personal dance with a woman standing in front of the man, dancing in front of the man. So it's an individualized... Mm-hmm. You ever sit on his lap? Yeah. Sure. Okay. I guess that's how the term came about. Lap dance. There you go, caller. Felix, welcome to the program. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. Hi. What a subject to talk about. We talk about everything. My gosh. I can't believe it I'm myself. Impressed. I'm impressed. <laughs> well, you know, Felix, the whole thing. reason we're talking about this Did is... Do you know what Felix this is? No, I don't. Oh, good. Oh, okay. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. The whole reason that we did this is because we found that the treatment of women has a lot to do with the attitude people have. And we figured if we invited women who were from different callings, different uh, experiences, that we could learn from all of them. And and part of that is, is just, you know, the diversity of the different types of women. <laughs> and And that... It's strange enough that she says she's educated. She has an anthropology degree and goes into this. But, you know, notice the attitude that she shared between thinking that all women who strip have no educational background and then how they treated her after they realized she had a degree in anthropology. Well, let me, let me tell you a few things from a, from a male standpoint. Okay. I've you know, been hearing a lot of things of what you've been saying, what the young lady's been saying herself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, when I was growing up, I... I didn't have many experiences going to a strip show, and it wasn't really something I would do on a, on a weekly or even a monthly uh, basis. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, from, from what I understand, uh, many people 
have an idea that many or most, if not all, of the people who, who uh, are exotic dancers and strip for a living are doing it because they really want to. And this is probably one of the misperceptions that I'm trying to understand right now mm -hmm. at, at my age, that you have a young lady who would go out there and do this willingly, whereas others are co coerced into a situation where they are forced to do it, and uh, they are almost like put into a position of having to revert to prostitution and stuff. But I'm very, very pleased and refreshed to see that there is... Uh, you know, somebody on Guam was willing to come out and, and uh, in an empowered situation, come out and say that uh, this is probably not the case. And uh, it's, it's, it's refreshing as heck to, to hear that. I think, too, you Thank need you. to remember uh, that she's an American. And maybe in some cases, those who are forced into prostitution okay, uh, yes, probably yes. are not. Oh, I, re I remember there, there was a situation where there was something put on a, on a video article on TV uh, a, few, a few years back. And this girl was staying on the island, and, and she, she, she basically hated men. And she was doing this because she's trying to get money. And, you know, you see articles and stuff like this in magazines and things that, uh, that uh, many of the women that get involved in that type of situation are there because they're just trying to get as many bucks as they can, do whatever they can to make, a, to make, to make a, some kind of future plans as to what they want to do with that money. They've, they've got some things that they want to do, and they're focused on that. And when they are in front of people, this is this is something that you know I, I kind of learned from from uh, from reading more so than actually asking questions. But mm -hmm. many of them are in it for the money, and they've got some plans that they wanna they wanna do the money you know, with the money. But uh, uh, while they're doing it, they hate doing it, and they'd rather do something else. Of course, I mean you know if, if there was something that could pay viable money to somebody who's trying to go to school and get their master's degree, I think that. Uh, uh, if it presented itself, she'd probably prefer to do that. But you know, uh, <laughs> answer my question the best way you can. Is uh, you know, uh, my, my my basic question is this: If you got involved in this thing on a voluntary basis, what do you think the other uh, the other people that are from the United States? their basic reasons for getting in this. Well, you say it's all individual, but uh, you know, I do know of a situation where I ask, actually ask some questions, and you know, mo most of the things you do with uh, with uh, uh, strippers say uh, say in uh, in places like Saipan uh -huh. that yeah, are you know actually, because I I go over there every now and then and once in a while mm -hmm. I meet with a friend the first place they want to take me to is the strip show and I, I don't necessarily want to do it I'd rather go out and eat and talk where it's nice and quiet but uh, you know uh, that's what they all say <laughs> <laughs> well it's, it's never quiet at an exotic show for sure I can tell you that but my friend in Saipan he always insists that we go to this this particular strip show and. Uh, and uh, I, I thought, okay, we'll go. And the first time was kind of fun. But, uh -huh. uh, you know, if, if somebody comes up and sits next to me and offers me, uh, you know, some com company, I would prefer to give them the money straight, uh, you know, just for, just for sitting down and talking to us rather than, you know, pay $20 for a drink and, and have half of it go to the bar. Are you, are you uncomfortable with a woman stripping in front of you, Felix? Well, let me, let me tell you this. I don't want them shoving in the thing in my face like they do in some of the other, uh, with some of the other. Shoving what in your face? The, their genitals. Oh, you okay. mean like breasts? You know, you know the thing. No, no. Breasts? Well, well, the breast sometimes comes within a very, very short distance <laughs> of your nose and things. And oh yeah, sometimes and, and, it and slams into your nose. Some, 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 well, you know, there there are some younger uh, people that I've observed over the years. Uh, whenever I happen to go, that uh, they are willingly, uh, you know, going out there and, and touching and and doing everything that they possibly could uh -huh. to 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 take advantage of whatever the the, the lady's willing to take. 
And, uh, you know, I have had some situations where I, I, I did witness that the, the girls kind of turned off, tried to move away, but yeah. others, they just kind of grind it up against you. And, the, you know, that, this is... Mm. What, this is this is on Guam? The, this is, well, for, for me, if you grind it up again, I'm going to move back. Was that on Guam or Saipan? This was in Guam. This is, okay, this is that's one of what the I figured. Down in Tumon. And, and Saipan, it's, you, you, you can't Saipan is no touching. Well, that's not 100% true. Really? Yes. This must have been recently then. Yeah, it, it, it must have re been recent. Uh, <laughs> I went over there about a year ago, and mm -hmm. uh, I went to, the, to this club with, with my, my gentleman friend in Saipan. And, uh, you know, the, it, it's almost as though the people that are doing the touching are very, very familiar with the the girls that are doing the the, the dancing, mm -hmm. they're probably regular customers. They're probably regular customers, but there was also people that uh, you know they think that just because they put a dollar in, uh, on your uh, on your G string that you're, you're you, you can you can do whatever the heck you want, and and you know that there's this thing that you were just talking about the back room and stuff, the VIP mm -hmm. room. And stuff. Well, you know, uh, I've always thought that uh, you know I've always heard this before that, that nothing ever happens in the VIP room. And if, uh, I, I had an experience just for just for trying it, okay. And this was in Saipan. This was about two years ago. And uh, the air conditioning in the place that we were supposed to go to was not working, so we had to wait a few minutes. But when we went in there, it was offered to do some karaoke, okay, which is very very nice. It's, it's a good mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's a good exchange from what we actually thought was going to be happening in there. Because my friend who accompanied me said. What did you get? You know, that kind of thing. And, you know, I, I don't want to say this because they said... So what did he get? No, what did uh, you get? What did you get? Oh, you. Cut okay, some dancing. Right? You know, it's almost like a lap dance. Okay. Very, very close quarters, but no, 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 no touching and stuff. And, and it was very, very pleasing to see that. So you have a question for uh, Anna? The, the question is this. Uh, can, can you kind of put to rest... Uh, the idea is that 100% of the people that get involved in this thing uh, are not doing it because they hate their fathers or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, on Guam, I think all the women that are dancing on Guam have chosen to for some reason or another. I think on Saipan, there's a combination of the women that have chosen to do it and some women that probably thought they were going to be waitresses. Well, there you go. That, that, that's, that's one of the right. things that I found. I, the, you know, they get a contract to become a waitress when they go over there. For the first few weeks of their doing it, they, they're actually crying, but they actually got kind of get used to it. And yeah, as soon as the money starts flowing in, right? It's good money? Anna says it's good money. It's actually flowing in, but, you know, there is there is something that they can expect from yeah. from, from, from the male customers. All right. I, I appreciate your time. That's a very, very good... Uh, thank you for your thank you for your experience. Hi, Arlene. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you. Um, food guy. Hey, Ken. Hey, Ken. Hey, good morning. Ken. <laughs> oh, boy, this is oh, familiar man. territory. Oh, I have been listening to this program, and it is just exhilarating. Uh. And you all talk about, uh, you know, the issues that are, that are being discussed, which are very interesting and, and also very necessary to talk about. But what I'm calling about is Anna's a friend of mine, and I, I, I read uh, part of what she was writing for her dissertation. And, and, uh, it's just the a thesis. Involved is just, uh, and, and the way she writes, the way she thinks, she expresses herself very intelligently. And uh, it's very bold, and I just want to give her kudos. Thanks, Ken. Uh, let people know that, uh, you know, I'm a fan of hers because she's made me a great martini at Mac and Martin. <laughs> <laughs> sure, Ken. <laughs> she not only... Provided me. I will buy you your next martini. Thank you. Well, I don't wow. think as much as I used to, but I can tell you that it's been fun uh, sharing that your personality is, is one that's very terrific. And uh, if, if no one knows you, you know, I don't want anybody to get the misperception just about dancers and strippers and the kind of personality that kind of stereotype them. You are you're yeah. a class person. Thank you, Ken. So, hey, I still owe you the article. What article are you talking article, about? An article on uh, bartending etiquette. Oh. 
Oh, okay. Wow. Different, so different so, area. Yeah. Can Related brings, area. Ken brings up that you not only have a great brain, you not only have good dancing techniques, you also have a fantastic personality. And you know Thank how to make you. martinis. <laughs> yes, Bob, welcome to the program. Good morning. Uh, hello. Hi, Bob. Yeah, I've got kind of an interesting story that I just wanted to share. Sure. Right. My wife and I were down in New Orleans, and we went to a club where they have both male and female dancers. Half of it are fe- half of it's female dancers, and the other half are male dancers. In the same room? No, yeah, the, the club's divided into, okay. the club, into, two, into two separate areas. And I've been in strip clubs before, and this was kind of her first experience. So she went into the men's side and sat down, and I went over to the ladies' side. And I kind of snuck over and uh, got one of the male dancers and paid for a, uh, a table or a lap. <laughs> you devious guy, you. For my wife. And so I went back and sat down, you know, in the, in the other, uh, in the ladies' section. And, and in just a couple of minutes, she comes running over to me. And I thought, oh, my gosh, she's terribly embarrassed and this. But no, she wanted some dollar bills. <laughs> <laughs> That's very sweet of you. So I guess my point is, is that, you know, from watching that, I mean, she had a wonderful time. And we mm-hmm. laugh about it continually. Uh, so it wasn't a negative experience. But I guess my point is, is that, you know, I think women can have just as much fun in the club. As, oh, it's as so much fun. I had so much fun the two years I worked here. I mean, there was a lot of all kinds of crazy stuff going on, but it was so much fun. It's like no, no other job you'll ever have. And I think any job you have after you're dancing is hard, you know, because you become spoiled. It's you're, not as exciting. It's not as, you know, it's not as, you're not in such a position of power, mm-hmm. especially when you're still a student and you're trying to work your way up, mm-hmm. you know. So I... Okay. Uh, Thanks a lot, thank Bob. Thank you. Uh, you bet, guys. Wonderful. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Now, you know, that, that the, the empowerment that you receive... After we took the break here to go to Headline News, you took a real big sigh of relief instead. And I said to you, you're acting like this is the very first time you stripped. And, yeah. you, and really, that, that part of that sensation, right, that, that fear, there's a certain amount of fear that, that's in yeah, there? Yeah, I mean, there's an interesting thing that, you're, that the human body does when it responds to fear. I mean, you know, you there's just, it's amazing how two totally different situations can produce the same sort of uh, sensation sensation yeah Yeah. don't go away there's more coming up with arlene live on the kuam podcast network hey there podcast subscribers wait hold up You're not already permanently locked in to receive our feed of awesome on-demand digital audio shows from the KUM Podcast Network? Shame on you. But it's okay. There's hope for all of us. All you need to do is head over to SoundCloud and hit follow, or if you're on iTunes, tap the subscribe button as hard as you can to directly link up to our studios and get all of our episodes on any digital device so that you can enjoy them and join the conversation as soon as we upload them. I'm talking about phones, tablets, Apple TV, whatever. You'll be able to get to us. You can also use your favorite podcast application and search KUM Podcast Network to add us. It's super easy, super fun, super interesting, and most importantly, super free. And for anyone who's already subscribed, thank you so much. You don't need to do any of this. But if you are in iTunes, do what we do on Guam. Help your neighbors out. Break out your digital jumper cables and give us a rating and a review to help our podcast reach as many people as possible. Also, you want to register your email address to receive KUM Digital Digest, our weekly newsletter, 
that goes out every Friday by going to KUAM.com and then clicking on the newsletter button at the way tippy top of our homepage. Thanks so much for supporting us. And okay, that's enough gratuitous self-promotion. Let's get back to the show. Now, back to the conversation with Arlene Live. Now, you have in front of you uh, a thesis a thesis that you're writing, and you have a, a, a stack of, of cards there. And we were talking about defense. <laughs> I know. I haven't even been looking at them. I, I just Isn't that wonderful? In, you know, so Isn't that wonderful uh, that you're yeah. not looking at them? Yeah, it is. Now I'm curious as to why you brought them. Well, um, these are the same note cards I used when I presented my oral defense last Tuesday. Uh-huh. So I have two weeks to finish the final draft. And, uh, well, I just brought well, them in today. Why is oral defense important in writing a thesis? It's, uh, it's the oral examination that you take before you finish your degree. But explain, I mean, what is it in, in, your, in your defense that, that the professors or whoever it is that's in this committee is interested in? What, what were you offering them that is different from today? Because you haven't looked at it once. Well, I think the most, um, the most encompassing idea of the whole of my whole work is the fact that it's an unexplored area in Pacific Island gender studies, mm -hmm. and uh, which in itself is just emerging. Mm -hmm. uh, wonderful know, program among so many male-centered disciplines. Right. So it's it's you know it's just a a place to begin for anyone else who decides to take this type of research further. Right. The, the women and gender program at the university, we've had two people on the program since I've been on the radio, oh. but not to this extent. This is a whole project that I'm trying to collect information on. I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to do with, with all these interviews, but it's something that I figured we needed to collect from an oral standpoint uh, as well, because there's just so many phenomenal women in different areas, and their personal experiences have to be recorded somehow. Yeah. So you're, you're one of the first ones. Ooh, another groundbreaking. That's right. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'd like, to, I'd like to go back to, to your need to go into anthropology. Why did you choose anthropology? Well, I grew up in different parts of the world. I was born in Puerto Rico, raised in, in the Dominican Republic, Bolivia, Guatemala, and Florida. And uh, my initial interest in college was architecture. And uh, I went through the first two years and didn't make it into upper division. Mm -hmm. So I changed my major, and I chose anthropology because it's basically the study of other cultures. And So it sounded easy. Actually, the very first class I took in college was cultural anthropology. It was, I, was, I chose it as an elective. Mm. So, you know, it was, the most it was the one that was most interesting as an elective my ah. first semester. So two years later, I ended up switching to anthropology. Yeah. Now, in, in that study, in, in having to practically walk the study, if you will, you come to Guam and you're in a strip bar. How do you associate what you've learned in there to part of the cultural background that the men that come to the show or the women that come to the show ex uh, express? What, what have you learned about this part of the world? both in Saipan and Guam? Well, for me, this part of the world is so unique. Um, 
the first time I saw Guam that I drove around Guam and I went down south to Umatic and saw the houses and the chickens and dogs and everything. I mean, it's there's so many things, there's so many little places that look like Bolivia or Guatemala, mm. you know, fruit stands and, you know, it's, I guess there's, you know, there's always that exoticized uh, fantasy when you, when you arrive on an island that you have never been on, you know. Mm-hmm. I think, I think I was enculturated with that notion as well, you know, I had a pretty Eurocentric education. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I was overseas, so I, I'm pretty much an overseas American, Latin American kid mm-hmm. in Guam. So <laughs> there's a nice combination. So I, you know, there's a lot of similarities in the Chamorro language and Spanish. Mm. You know, I can understand probably every tenth word mm-hmm. and get a uh, general idea, of yeah. the feel, what what they're saying. And uh, it was kind of interesting when my father came out here, and he's from born and raised in Spain. Mm-hmm. And he flew out here from Panama, and he'd never been to this part of the world before. And when he finally arrived, I saw him at the airport. He said, God, that was a long trip. And when I see all the signs, uh, all the Chamorro (laughs) names of the baggage claim and the customs and immigration and stuff, it's, you know, very similar to the Spanish. He said he was just reading them and thought to himself, am I there yet? You know, <laughs> you know, he's, he's reached home. And yeah. I want to leap back to when Felix called in and he said something about, oh, we'd let him go on this one. Something about all the women who do this kind of dancing because they hate their fathers. That is not true for the most part. I wouldn't doubt that there are some women. I think women in any profession, you know, whether they're doctors or lawyers or whatever, you know, there's always women that hate their fathers that are not liked. So, um, you know, that's not a... But that isn't the main reason people go into dancing. No, you don't go into dancing because you hate your father. It's You go into dancing because the money's good. That's <laughs> it. That's it. You don't have to have a broken, uh, broken family or no education or anything like that. You know? It's all economics. Yeah. This isn't a dysfunctional it's occupation. A, it's a corporation in the United okay. States. I, there's a chain chain it's like a denny's you know pure <laughs> platinum deja vu there's a you know different uh strip clubs that are the same throughout the country now do, do i get this right that you no longer dance no i don't i quit dancing I two years ago yeah do you know uh could you tell us why well a lot of it had to do with uh a mixture of events my my adoptive father passed away had passed away a few months before i decided to stop um my relationship with my fiance was becoming more serious, mm. and um, I had a there was a, a couple of uh, negative experiences with uh, two of my coworkers. Um, one of them was the woman that was uh, beaten and later died, beaten at the Hamilton Hotel and mm-hmm. later died. She was a very close friend of mine, and she actually the day she was pronounced dead was my last day at Club USA. So uh, I had taken the week off to finish a term paper, but I just I just didn't come back after that. Then I started bartending. You say uh, that your relationship started to get more serious with your fiancé. What was his attitude? Did he meet you in a strip bar? Um, no, I met him when he was bartending. Oh, okay. But then right. he started working downstairs from where I was dancing, and that's where we that's where we got together. Yeah. Did it bother you that you were upstairs stripping? 
No. No? No, at the time I was, you know, I had been, I'd been living a steady life. Mm. Uh, about, you know, I'd been on Guam a year, a, a little over a year. And let's go you to know, the other part of the, the why you stopped, the, the physical abuse that, that uh, happened to your friend. Is physical abuse rampant amongst people who are doing exotic dancing? Is that a problem? Mm, I don't think it occurs daily. I mean, uh, some, some women have violent spouses or boyfriends. Um, I was just more concerned because if you're in some place where there is no touching, you're not likely to get grabbed or, or hurt. Yeah. Not while they're dancing, but what about later? Yeah. Well, there's no violence in the strip clubs. I mean, every now and then, if somebody gets out of hand, you, you tell them to leave, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Do they have bouncers? Some clubs have bouncers, some don't. Um, I, it, I think violence occurs outside of the strip club. Yeah, I was and I don't say think it. it matters whether there is touching or not, I, you know, because in the mainland it occurs outside of the strip club as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, but, you know, in, my two, in the two years that I worked that I, as a dancer on Guam, I, I saw maybe three fights, hmm. you know. At the club. Yeah. I'd like you to spend the last five minutes, if you don't mind, on the thesis. What is it that you're presenting in the thesis and why? Well, like I said, it's an unexplored area in Pacific Island Gender Studies. Um, I, uh, I took a census, one of the major data collection efforts that I, that I made for this thesis was uh, like a census. I went to all the strip clubs that were open, and right now there's 10. Mm -hmm. So I went in September, and then I went in December, and then March. So I, did, I, I went to all the clubs on those three months and I just talked to one key informant at each club and just inquired, uh, yeah, inquired the name of uh, I mean, the numbers of the dancers, hostesses, owners, managers and other staff. So just to get a number and by gender, how many men, how many women and what their ethnicity and what their occupation is. Mm -hmm. No names, no age. Sure. Just the stats. And it's just based on field informant knowledge, you know. Mm -hmm. If you work in a strip bar on Guam, you pretty much know all the people that work with you, you know, mm -hmm. you know that there are this many people working with you. you know, in yeah, most cases, small community, huh? In most cases, yeah. yeah. Now, how many men strip on Guam? Um, right now, there's no male review location. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I believe the last male review closed uh, three or four weeks before or after following the September 11 attacks. Oh, really? Yeah. And and how many women uh, are part of the audience at strip bars? Um, I would say uh, a steady 30%, you know, there's a lot of women that visit the strip bars. Um, well, I go and uh, I visit my friends mm -hmm. and uh, I was collecting my data for the three-month period, six-month period. Um, when you rate other women who strip, how do you, how do you rate them? How do, when you, what do you mean rate? As far as their performances, uh, how, do you, how do you tell a good dancer from a, one that, could, that isn't? Very good. Well, there's, there's, you know, two, two areas of talent where this could be brought out. You know, some dancers have organized dance routines, and uh, I think everybody, every dancer has a series of turns and uh -huh. moves that they reuse. Are they all thematic, like yours uh, was with the men? No, 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 not that much. Okay. It's mostly just a, you know, costume, just a costumes. I guess if you're going to strip, you have to have something to take off. Yeah, just something to take off. It doesn't have to be... A stripogram is more like, you know, the mm -hmm. policeman dressed up or the pizza boy or the pizza <laughs> girl, you know. There really isn't so much of that here, yeah. you know. On Halloween, you know. You can have more fun. <laughs> more. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, Anna Lucia Hill 
It's been a wonderful pleasure interviewing you. you in studio. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Thanks I was going to ask you, would Thanks you mind stripping? What's that? Would you mind stripping? Would I mind stripping? It's kind of cold in here, Arlene. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I would. Say. You've given that up completely, <laughs> yeah. huh? That's real cold in here. Well, I, I, I ask because I wonder when you go out, is this something that when they find out who you are, do they ask you? Would you mind stripping? Would you do <laughs> Actually, that? I think somebody jokingly asked that question right after my oral defense. But it was just jokingly. Yeah, one of the professors. Yeah, yeah I think good there's, for there's him. Like See? curiosity. Same thing. I, curiosity. I just wonder if you would do that or yeah. ever. But you've, you've stopped doing it I've got it, it on videotape if yeah. you'd like to see oh, it. Oh, no, I was just kidding. I really was. <laughs> Watch the tape. It would, it would have no to be, problem with it would, that. It would have to be all, all a matter of setting. It's my pleasure again to have you in studio. Thank Thanks, you very much for participating with us. Okay, go ahead. What kind of music was it that you would feel comfortable with up there. Actually, my favorite things to dance to was Herb Albert, uh, oh. Santana. Here we go. Uh, reggae, <laughs> Spanish music. Oh. Um, occasionally a jazz tune. Yeah. You know, like piano music. Every now and then I would just, you know, I just felt like messing around on a boring night and I would play <laughs> the theme to Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> or the Anna, Looney Tunes. Yeah, Anna Lucia Hill, we wish you well. Thank you so much. And I wish you well on your marriage as well. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. All right, this is Arlene Live. Until tomorrow morning, adios, everybody. Don't go away. There's more coming up with Arlene Live on the KUAM Podcast Network. Hey everyone, I'm Ken Nicholas, and I love movies. No, I mean I really love movies. And if there's one thing I enjoy more than dissecting plots, questioning casting choices, and challenging scenes, it's debating with my friends and their opinions about their favorite flicks. You can't handle the truth! So join me and my cohort of cinephiles each and every Tuesday for Real Talk, right here on the KUAM Podcast Network. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. We cover best of lists, actors' top roles, and don't pull any punches when it comes to giving props about what's big on the silver screen, streaming, and on video. Ah, I'm Just make sure to bring your own popcorn. So lock in our show by subscribing to our feed on SoundCloud, on iTunes, on Google Podcasts, or on your favorite podcatcher platform. That's right, Janice. What's it made of? Your mom's chest hair. That's Real Talk, each Tuesday, right here as part of the KUM Podcast Network. Speaking of which, let's go back to your show. I guess the only thing I can say is I'll promise to keep rocking and rolling and making better films. <laughs> Now, back to the conversation with Arlene Live. This is part two with the interview of Anna Lucia Hill. Half a day, Arlene. Half a day, Anna Lucia Hill. How are you? I'm doing well, sweetie. And you? I'm so good. I'm doing well, too. That doesn't surprise either of us, should it? What? I said that shouldn't surprise either of us, should it? No, not at all. I'm sure we've both been through ups and downs, but we're both very resilient women absolutely yeah. i hope i hope more ups than down 
Overall, yes. That's good. I'm looking at your picture from 2004 or 2002. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had to. I had to. Uh, I had to go back in our messages and and look at the date that you had found that the recording was, and I guess it was six months before I left Island. That was pretty quick. Good thing I yeah, caught you before you left, huh? Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Actually, it was exactly April 9th, 2002, that I conducted the interview. Oh, my God. That's such an interesting date. Why? I'll get into it as we, you know, as we talk story here. Mm -hmm. Two years ago, two years ago, two years ago on April 9th, I had a massive panic attack. Hmm. And I had, like, I've always had, like, fluctuations of anxiety throughout my life. And then they kind of, like, got worse as I got older. And then the timing of it was just, it was interesting because it was almost exactly a year after my ex-husband and I split up. Huh. And I was living on my own in my own apartment. I went back to my full-time job. I was dating a new guy, and we were getting ready to go to Bolivia together. And all these things were going on. And then all of a sudden, like, everything in my life that has been backlogged, all this stuff that I've been pushing down to just to keep moving forward, like, just it just had to come out. Mm-hmm. And it came out, and... And I thought, gosh, I better get help for this. And and then that began kind of a, I think that's where my most recent journey kind of took hold and sort of inspired what I'm doing now. And if any, none of that stuff had happened, and I can get into more detail about it, but... Mm-hmm. It was basically like the beginning of a trial and error period of medications and counselors and psychiatric services and mm. anxiety, depression, insomnia, premenopause, hormone fluctuations, a little bit of hair loss, uh, some weight gain, well, major weight loss, and then followed by weight gain and like just all these things. And then just the just the the mental capacity of processing everything as it was happening all at once. Huh. And then uh, I just you know in the last year and a half or so I've been finally climbing out of it. Oh, that's good news. Yeah. Boy, my timing is really good, huh? It is good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Well, you know, when you mentioned some of the stresses there, I was going to ask, are you perimenopausal? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. And yeah, and my I, body is definitely... Right. <laughs> and sometimes I think that, you know, women such as us that are highly charged, right? I mean, we're like in overdrive yeah. so much. We don't pause to take in 
a lot of the challenges that we live with and and survival is such a high priority for us that that's what we go into when we're dealing with whatever trauma induced activity mm-hmm. or and coping is usually not one of the things mm-hmm. we do well right mhm and so when the body starts to overcome by adjusting and as we mature i found that in my case i had very similar behaviors and i did the same thing you did i reached out to my doctors and said something's going on with me so you mm-hmm. have to listen to your body you have to you mm-hmm. have to be very cognizant of your behavior and yeah. and you have to reach out to professionals uh, fortunately when it came to me and they said you know we could give you medication for this i said no i want to be mm-hmm. fully aware of what's happening to me and i want to be responsible for my behavior because Absolutely. honestly i didn't want a li- i didn't want license to be that word that we don't like being addressed by <laughs> so which word would that be oh uh, that one with uh, begins with a b <laughs> yeah yeah i i i don't like that in other women and i don't like that for myself and so Mm-hmm. I told my doctors, "No, you're just giving me license to do that." And I said, "I yeah. want to I want to be aware that I'm being like that and I want control of that." And they said, "Okay, but if it's overwhelming, which they said it could be, mm-hmm. that I needed yep. to swallow the pill kind of thing, right?" Well, fortunately, I didn't mm-hmm. get there. And um but okay. I you know, you know how I did it? I started creating. I I published five video documentaries during that period of my life. That's great. So I focused on something other than myself. Now, you yeah. seem you seem to have a different um background. You mentioned that you had some depression and something, you know, the mood swings mm-hmm. prior to to the development. So maybe part of that, you know, is all the upbringing and everything else that you've struggled through as a kid. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So and it I might. Never it, knew it was still. I never knew I was still carrying it all. You know, we never do, do we? It, like I said, no, we no. are survivors. We mm-hmm. move, and then when our coping devices yeah. change and our body starts making that real drastic switch, it's it's very difficult mm-hmm. to cope with it. So, six months after you left here, I mm-hmm. didn't even know you were gone. You know that. That's so crazy. Mm-hmm. You just yeah, left me. Didn't really like. I mean, we didn't have like social media and any of that back then. So I just I tried to tell as many people as I could, but I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Do you remember how yeah. you came into my life? I was trying to remember that, and I was thinking that was it through Kelly. Kelly who? Kelly Marsh. Kelly Marsh. She is now she is now a senator. Yeah, I know. I mean, I know Kelly. Yeah. But you knew I didn't know you knew Kelly. Yeah. Okay. Did you interview both of us? I can't remember. <laughs> I think so. Can't remember. No, I remember now. I remember oh. now. Let me remind you. Dirk Ballendorf. But Ballendorf. I how we how exactly we came together. I, it's very foggy. Dirk Ballendorf. 
Dirk Ballendorf. God rest his soul. Mm-hmm. I cried like a, like a damn fool when he passed away. I'll never forget it. I was in my office. And I had to step outside. Man, it makes me want to cry just saying it. But mm-hmm. my God. Dirk Ballendorf was coming on my show once a week to talk about history things. And you were one of the Micronesian Studies um, candidates for master. Yeah. And he said, Arlene, would you be interested in interviewing a exotic dancer working her way into a master's degree? And I said, absolutely. And that's how. God, I love him. Right? God, he was the best. He just—he embraced me. Yes. He has—he had no judgment. He just—he just pushed me forward. I meant more like encourage. I know what you mean. You know? I, even even in that, I'm very reluctant. Mm-hmm. Whenever somebody—I mean, it's odd because all my advances in my professional career have been invitations. I never sought it out, you know. It's always someone saying, you know, Arlene, you should do this. Or would you consider doing that? Or why don't you try this? Or uh-huh. you, ever, you ever thought about doing this? You know, it's been like that. And, of course, I just look at them like, uh-huh. no. So he was coming on my show, and, of course, he in- introduced me to you. And there was somebody else that he introduced me to, and I think I may have brought them on. I'm not quite sure. I have to look at the list. So, anyway, that's how I met you. It was through Dirk Ballendorf. Dirkster. Mm-hmm. Dirkster. The Dirkmeister. <laughs> the Dirkerator. He's awesome. Yeah. I'll never forget the day I defended my thesis. What was that like? And uh you know, it was a you know, it was a thesis on strip clubs. Mm-hmm. And uh I guess, you know, this would have been since the interview cuz when I did when you interviewed me, I think I was about to graduate. Mm-hmm. I was finishing up because that was 2002. I graduated in June of 02, and then I moved to Florida in October of 02. But before I could graduate, I had to defend my thesis, and mm-hmm. it's always open to the public. They always post it. You know, they would just announce it somehow, and mm-hmm. you know, usually a few people show up. You know, for the other students, and then it was my turn, and all these people showed up from I don't know where. <laughs> <laughs> Did it scare you? Crawling. People were like climbing the walls and shit. No, I'm just kidding. They were like just standing around. There was like no no more chairs and everybody was trying to find some room. Well, you have to admit, Anna, not very many strippers go in and defend a everybody, master's thesis. Yeah, well, everybody was intrigued. With exactly. The topic, of course. They wanted to see what you look like with your clothes on. Yeah. <laughs> that too. <laughs> Just like and the I'll guys forget the Dirkster, you know, because the Dirk was my chair, he right? Was my, the chair of my thesis committee, right. and I was talking and talking and presenting, and I brought some visual aids, and I had this book that I had borrowed from a customer at Mac and Marty's because I was bartending at Mac and Marty's already. I had already quit dancing; mm-hmm. I wasn't a dancer anymore. I kind of. Uh, yeah, I wasn't a dancer for like the last year or two. Mm-hmm. But one of one of my customers gave me this book, and I'm trying to remember what it was. It was like an artistic. 
it was like an exotic, I don't know, like photographs of exotic performers, and it was kind of an art book. Mm-hmm. You know, and it had a bunch of naked people in it, and, and I'm just and I'm talking and presenting my thesis and trying to make contact, eye contact with people, and I was nervous as hell. <laughs> and I look over at the Dirkster, he's sitting right next to me to my right. He's just like not even paying attention, he's just flipping through this book. <laughs> <laughs> you should have never bought it out. No shame, no shame. He just all these people were there. This is the chair of my committee, he's just flipping through this book. And then I ended up talking way too long. I went like it was supposed to be like twenty minutes, I think. Hmm. And I talked for like over forty-five minutes, and I didn't even feel that time go by. And neither and he did they. Finally, he, he closed the book and looked up at me and said, uh, uh, "You're you're, you're going to have to wrap it up now." Because <laughs> he know, was with, done <laughs> with with that voice. Yep. And those big eyes. Yep. Stay where you are. The conversation continues with Arlene live when we come back. Start your day the KUAM way with our new streaming shows on Facebook Live each weekday. Here's your starting lineup. Mondays will give you a glimpse into our morning meetings with the KUAM news team. Tuesdays, join our group chat with Chris Barnett. Wednesdays, it's crime time with the island's law enforcers. Thursdays, get the latest info with Dave Delgado, who's in the zone. And Fridays, we get Fit AF, fitness and fun. And the best part, all our shows are completely interactive, so you're directly part of the conversation. Join us Monday through Friday starting at 9 a.m. Start your day the KUAM way. The conversation continues now on the KUAM Podcast Network with Arlene Live. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. And I hadn't even covered everything I wanted to. I wasn't even done. But I went too long. I didn't prepare. You know, I I just had no idea what I was getting into. I just had so much to talk about. Hmm. I wish somebody had a video of it. But, yeah. Yeah, you should have said something to me. I would have recorded it. Yeah. I didn't even think back then. I was like 27 years old. Right. 15 years ago. Yeah. Wow. 17 years ago. Yeah, not that, uh, it was 2000, oh wait, yeah, 2002. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. not not that I want you to skip ahead or anything, but when when you left here, I mean, that, mm-hmm. I wasn't even aware that you left. I thought you were still up at the university. Yeah. Oh, wow. God, yeah, that was a long time ago. I, I mean, I, I just... That's somebody's lifetime, 17 years. Yeah, it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. After you left here, were you married when you left Guam? I was engaged when I left Guam. And then we moved to Florida in October of 2002, and then we got married in June of 2004. Hmm. And then we got divorced in August of 2016. Hmm. Yeah. What happened? Well, uh, I don't know if you knew my ex-husband. His name was Kevin Gaston. If people are on the, if people are listening to your show, I'm sure there are some people who know exactly who he is. He was a bartender at Tahiti Rama. Okay, I never met him. And 
you know, when Tahiti Rama uh, closed down and got torn down when they were building the outrigger or extending the outrigger, and everybody was just so sad, so depressed that it was the end of an era mm-hmm. at Tahiti Rama, and you know, that's kind of how I met him because he started bartending at Scores Sports Lounge, which was right downstairs from Club USA, where you danced. Where I danced. I mean, we had a good run. We didn't have like a terrible marriage, but so we had our ups and downs. But I mean, all in all, you know, we moved around a lot. We lived in a few different places. We owned a condo for a couple years. And then, uh,. You know, there was a couple of crisis moments. He was always very uh, sort of inward and mm. kind of quiet. He yeah. didn't talk much. And so, and I'm a very chatty person. I think I've become a little more introverted as I got older. Mm. I used to be very extroverted and very yeah. flamboyant. <laughs> That's funny, huh? And, uh yeah. And once in a while, it still comes out. You know, Anna, when when I was listening to the interview, it's the odd part about it is that it was a copy as I shared, but yeah. the first part of it seems to be gone. So I'm wondering, honestly, I kept thinking about this, and I think that your being on the radio blew everyone out of the water. It was such a departure <laughs> from everything else that I'd done. And I didn't let anybody know, and I think people forgot. I think the board operator forgot to turn the recorder on because she was so enamored with what was going on in oh the show. Cool. Yeah, do you remember how the male employees of the mm-hmm. station were walking past the show in that glass you window? That message to me, but I, <laughs> I honestly can't remember. You don't? I, it's just so... Well, maybe so blurry. Maybe it's because you're looking in at me and I'm looking out at them. And they're behind Maybe. you. Yeah. Because I said, yeah. why are all these men walking past the studio? I said, Anna, this has to be you. <laughs> they're That's probably so wondering funny. They're wondering <laughs> if they know you. <laughs> yeah, and I probably disappointed them because I didn't have any makeup on. I had my little glasses on, my little library hairdo and <laughs> T-shirt. <laughs> you know, and I wasn't a stripper anymore at that point. That's right. But, yeah, it's... Uh, I guess it struck up curiosity. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, everyone listens to the show. Everybody did back then. It was really very popular. Yeah. And it's the it, one thing in my life that always, like, it, it always makes people react in a different way. And, mm-hmm. you know, now that all this time has gone by, you know, it it has to, it only comes up when I'm, like, talking story. You know, <laughs> and, and if I'm comfortable enough with someone, I'll say, you know, I was a, I was a stripper on Guam in the late 90s. <laughs> what? You were what? Yeah, right. Double masters? Are you kidding me? You look like a librarian today. <laughs> yeah, I, I look the same, I think. Yeah. Well, you have a little more tattoo on you than the last time. Yeah, I have lots of tattoos now. I have tattoos on both arms, on my back, on my ankle, and on my chest. What brought that on? You weren't you weren't marked up when you came on my show. I had zero tattoos. It's funny because 
when I was a stripper on Guam, I had zero tattoos and I never experimented with any hard drugs, as you know, as anybody would think. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until well after I quit dancing that I experimented with psychedelics and got tattoos. And it was like later in life. <laughs> Why did you do it? But um, the tattoos came about because when I moved back to Guam, a few years after I came back, like in 2005, I got back in touch with a girl that I went to high school with. She was in my art class. Mm -hmm. We were in a drawing class our senior year, junior year or senior year. It was high school, senior year of high school. And we found each other on MySpace. Remember MySpace? No. MySpace.com, it was like one of the earlier social media. I didn't go. I didn't go there. Before Facebook. Right. I don't do Facebook. But anyway, so she that's how we found each other and we didn't really know each other that well in high school, but we remembered being being in the same art class and we just became friends. We started hanging out and then then we became best friends. And then she always had this dream of becoming a tattoo artist and she wasn't yet. But she had a few tattoos and I had no tattoos and I was like, Wow, this is very intriguing and then and then as time went on she had the opportunity to apprentice mm-hmm. with someone. And she started apprenticing and gradually started tattooing. And then she was tattooing. I was one of the first people she tattooed. (laughs) And I just watched her grow as a tattoo artist. And now she owns her own tattoo shop on Fort Myers Beach. And she is amazing. Her name is Dawn Webb. And she has been such a powerful influence in my life. (laughs) What did she tattoo? So she's done all my tattoos except... The first one, my first tattoo was by her teacher, the the woman that she was apprenticing under. She gave me my first tattoo. It's one of the tattoos I have on my back. It's of a quetzal, which is the national bird of Guatemala, ah. which is where I used to live. All my tattoos represent places where I've lived. So Becky did my first one, and then all the rest of them are Dawn's. Okay, and so what representation of Guam do you have on your body? I have a couple of latte stones on my Ah. ankle. Oh, okay. On my left ankle. Very appropriate place for them. Foundation. They're perfect. I love them. Foundation stones. Dawn did them. Yeah, by the way, latte is stone. Okay. Okay. So just say latte. People people say that all the time. Latte stone. Oh, I'm sure. Like a... You know, like like a dish plate, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> After all these years. It's a very common way people say it. When I lived in Saipan, there was a... They called it Taga? Or is that Oh, that's else? Tinian. That's the, the Taga Beach is in Tinian, and the Taga site is in Tinian. Okay, that's probably what it is. Maybe yeah. it was in Tinian then, because I've yeah. been there too. I've been to Tinian, Rota, Saipan, yeah. and Guam. Right. What were you doing in Saipan? Uh, before I moved to Guam, I was living in Saipan. I was there for like a year and a half, and I was working as like a sports, like a club mate at the Diamond Hotel. Okay. You did. Diamond you did Hotel. mention something like that in your report in the interview. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, probably, I probably mentioned it because we went, we all went out one night, and 
we went to a strip club and I got on stage. <laughs> yes, you, know, you did. And I'm dancing around. This was before I became a stripper on Guam. Mm-hmm. I was dancing around and some customer, some Japanese customer was there that was friends with the owner of the Saipan Diamond Hotel. And he, you know, of course he's Japanese too. Mm-hmm. Japanese owned hotel and he caught wind of it. And then when it came time to renew my contract, I was not offered an opportunity to renew. So I wasn't fired, but they just wanted to, they just let me stay until my contract ended. It was like a 10 month contract. Hmm. And then I, I couldn't stay there. And I'm like, oh darn. Because you got up on the stage. <laughs> because I got on stage at a strip club. So that was looked, that was frowned upon. Hmm. Did you have fun when you first did it? Oh, yeah. I've always had fun doing it. I don't think I remember ever not having fun doing it. You spoke about the empowerment of doing it. Mm-hmm. Why was it empowering? Um, well, there's... I just felt comfortable. I felt like I could be myself. It was uh, artistic. It was expressive, and it made me feel good about myself. I felt beautiful, mm. and... Uh, I felt confident because I could talk to anyone and and ask people to buy me drinks. And it, t- it takes a certain kind of uh, confidence to be able to just because you have to work the crowd. And sure. if you're a shy person, it's really hard. Sure. Uh, Do you consider yourself shy? Um. No. Huh. I wouldn't say I'm shy. I think I'm, like I said earlier, I'm more introverted now as an older person mm-hmm. than I was back in my 20s. Mm-hmm. But I'm not shy. No, I'm not. Uh, no, I still do crazy things in public <laughs> just to make people look. <laughs> just to shock them? <laughs> to shock people? Uh, oh, that's interesting, too. Um, I should mention that in the last, let's see, since 2015, it's only been a few times because it's really hard, hmm. but uh, I've performed a little bit of burlesque. What is that? I don't know if, uh, I don't know if it's caught on over there, but it's a very old form of striptease. It's, where stri- it's, it's actually what striptease originated back in the 20s. Huh. There was vaudeville, there was burlesque. There was cabaret, and uh, and burlesque was it, it was really it started out as parody. So it was these women that would get up and perform with, you know, and and, and make these sexy dances, and they would dress like the politicians, and they would make fun of politicians and politics, and and it was parody. Hmm. It was par- it was sort of sexy parody, which is bur- which the word burlesque. The root of the word means to make fun of. Burlesque. So, uh, yeah, so okay. now there's sort of a resurgence of burlesque in the United States. And I actually, I, I touched on burlesque in my thesis a little bit. But okay. Mostly talking about, like, where striptease came from. Yeah. But nowadays, like, all over the, all over the mainland, there's all these, Burlesque troops forming and and festivals and shows and competitions and and our area in Southwest Florida we had nothing in 2015 and me and a group of girls we decided to start something and so we started a little bit 
And then gradually over time, there were some other girls doing it. And then there were some girls in Naples that had a troupe, and they were amazing. And so now there's all kinds of burlesque stuff going on. I performed, let's see, I got on stage like maybe one, two, three or four, three or four times. Don't know anything about that. Well, one time by myself, and then another time as a duet. And then a couple other times as a troupe. Wow. So it's interesting. You just, uh, you know, you perform. It really takes on any kind of form. People people who perform burlesque, you know, you can pretty much anything goes. But some of the real purists, you know, they'll strip to, uh, you know, like an Ella Fitzgerald song or a, like a Frank Sinatra. Right. You know, and they'll pull the gloves off slowly, and they'll sit on a stool or in a bathtub and pull the stockings off, the little toes sticking out, and it's just all about the teeth. Right, right. You just take off each item of clothing very slowly, and then at the very end, at the very end of the show, the last few seconds, you take off your top, and you, you're in pasties, and you show your pasties for a few seconds, and you run off stage. And mm. it's just delightful and, and beautiful. This is Arlene Live, and we've got more coming up in just a moment. Middle of the ocean, but this paradise is teeming with people with all sorts of amazing abilities. Benita Baby was nothing but hair accessories. <laughs> I had some little barrettes um, that we were making and headbands, our little like knit bow headbands, and that's all I started out with. And I decided shortly after you know I had been sewing for a little while that I was going to put it out there. Whether it's artists who create visual masterpieces, creatives inspiring others, people who compose and perform moving pieces of music, athletes taking their game to the next level, or entrepreneurs coming up with innovative solutions, there are a ton of folks here doing incredible things with their gifts. And I want to introduce them to all of you. Women, not just guys, women could come in and feel like they're there to train, they're going to be taken serious, they're, they're not going to be hit on by dudes, yeah. they're going to have their own space. You know, I mean, they're going to be respected as just another practitioner of, of this martial art. I'm Jonagan Charfris, and I invite you to join me on the KUAM Podcast Network for Fistful of Talent, where I sit down with people discussing their visions and dreams and sharing the secrets of their success. In the avenues of, mm-hmm. yeah. of Step. you know, being in the creative life and then what's, what's the next thing? Just subscribe to the KUAM Podcast Network on SoundCloud iTunes, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcatcher platform, and prepare to be amazed. That's Fistful of Talent each and every Friday. Thanks for listening. The conversation continues now on the KUAM Podcast Network with Arlene Live. took a little break from it now because I'm back in school, but I went to a burlesque show last Friday. My friend Vanessa put together a production, hmm. and uh, it was really good. Yeah, last week when I went up to Saipan, you said that you were in the middle of finals. So you got your second master's? I'm just starting my second master's. What, what did you get at the university, a master's or a B.A.? At the at the University of Guam, I got a Master of Arts okay. in Micronesian Studies. All right. And now I'm getting a Master of Arts in Clinical Mental Health Counseling. 
So instead of going for a Ph.D., I decided to get another master's. Why did you do that? Well, it was inspired directly by all that experience I had two years ago. I see. On April 9th, 2017, I had that panic attack, and it just, it just, it just uh, triggered this whole chain of events and this whole process of awakening and finding myself and just learning how to love myself again, like, you know, authentically and, mm-hmm. and just, uh, I don't know, just knowing what my boundaries are, not, you know, not pushing myself so hard. Right. Boy, that's and a hard lesson to learn. Myself. Yeah, just, you know. That's a tough one to learn. It is. It's really tough. And, you know, just learning how to love again, you know. Oh, well, that, that. I have that, a new guy. I have a yeah. new guy now. And so, yeah. And he's he's just been so, so sweet, so supportive, and so amazing. Yeah, I was, so I wasn't, I was talking more about the knowing just how much to take on. I'm. I'm such oh, a yeah. I'm such yeah. a glutton when it comes to work. I just you know <laughs> I like that. That's yeah. Glutton. Yeah. Well, I I say it because <laughs> I like being busy. There's there's wow. family, there's grandchildren and and my grandchildren are just mm. delicious. Oh my gosh, how many grandchildren do you have? Well, now I have eight, seven granddaughters and one mm. delicious grandson. He's delicious. <laughs> he, they're just, I inhale them when they're with me, Anna, because, mm-hmm. you know, I just say, come here, and I'll just inhale them, and they go, just they chuckle. Know. They think it's so funny when I hold them and just sniff them. That's how I... <laughs> I like to sniff people, too. That's so interesting. Yeah, I, I, and that's how I get their essence. I And so yeah. when I when I was in Saipa, and Kamea turned six, and so when I came home, the first thing she said, Gammy, I'm six. Yeah. I said, you're six what? She said, I'm six years old. I said, you turned another age while I was gone? Who said you could oh. do that? <laughs> so I, I hugged her, and she just melts. You know, they melt when you hold them, and I, I inhale them, and I just, oh, mm-hmm. you belong to me. You're mine. Oh. And they just, they wither. They just, they, they just drop. <laughs> <laughs> they just literally cave in. They love it, and you know it's a, it's a gammy thing, okay? Very lucky. Huh? But it's really nice to have their children. I'm well, she, how many she's kids do you have five altogether, and then there's so there's eight. There's seven daughter granddaughters from them, and the one grandson. Enough about me. I really want to know about you. So this master's is in clinical clinical mental health counseling. Okay. And so what do you what I, do you hope to do with it? Practice? Well, when I when I graduate, I have to take uh, a licensure exam. Okay. And then I'll be a licensed clinical mental health counselor, and I can provide cl- counseling services. Um, you know, I can do private counseling, maybe start my own practice, or mm-hmm. maybe I can work for an agency or for the state mm-hmm. or. I really don't know. I don't have a, a plan mm-hmm. for what to do. Do you enjoy the um, topic? Do you enjoy the subjects? But I, I do. I love the subject matter. I'm absolutely intrigued mm-hmm. by the human mind, human consciousness. Right. 
and uh, I saw a therapist for a year, mm-hmm. a really good therapist. He helped me work through a lot, and I just, I just admired him so much. I said, "That's just amazing how someone can be so, so uh, empathic and so understanding, and and just and kind of presents." your life back to you in, in, a, in a new, in a different perspective and just to be able to, to be in the helping profession, help other people with the same kinds of things that I went through because I went, you know, it's really hard to find the right kind of help. You know, yeah. I didn't want to take medication, but right. I was, I was on medications and some of them gave me bad reactions mm-hmm. and then I went through, you know, I went through periods where I couldn't sleep. I was paranoid. I was depressed. I just, I was completely foggy. I didn't have any clarity. Hmm. And I I just had to, you know, and I could, I was frustrated because I wasn't finding, like, a solution. But the Mm -hmm. solution is within you. Yes, I was just going to say, as much as you... Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, as much as you... A counselor can can make you realize that. Right. Not telling you directly, but by working with you so that you can see it for yourself. Exactly. I was going to say, don't diminish your role in this success because he guides and you're the one that... You're the one that has to reach in. I did it. I did every bit of it. Right. He was just... He was like directing you through. Uh, yeah, he mm-hmm. just he gave me guidance. Mm-hmm. And he gave me. He just offered me some different points of view. Yeah, like mm-hmm. stop beating yourself up, right? Yeah. No, oh, yeah, he he helped me immensely, and so I decided I I'd like. And then I work in graduate admissions. I've been working at Florida Gulf Coast University since 2003. I took a year off in mm-hmm. there but I came back. But I've been processing admissions for graduate programs for years and years, and, and I've been processing admissions for this program for years and years. Hmm. And one day, you know, I was kind of recovering and trying to make it through and just trying to be optimistic, and I'm processing, and I'm receiving all these materials for this program, and I thought, this program, the people applying to this program, they're going to graduate, and they're going to be therapists, they're going to be counselors, and they're going to be just like Wayne, who's my counselor, mm-hmm. learning how to do what he does. And here I am working at the university. I'm a full-time, and one of the benefits that I can take advantage of that I haven't yet was I can take classes tuition-free. Wow. So I'm finally going to take advantage of that because I never, we don't really, we I had always wanted a doctorate program, but we don't really have one that, that suitable we have like a, an educational doctorate mm. you know nothing really uh in the humanities mm-hmm. so i kind of just said well maybe one day we'll have a phd program but then i was looking at the, ca- the counseling program and i thought this would be a great program this would be great to like learn the other side mm-hmm. and even if i don't know what i'm doing with it what maybe i won't do anything with it Maybe I'll just do it just to, just for me. Just for the awareness of it, huh? Yeah, for awareness and just to prove to myself that I can put, I can get through it. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And I can do... I'd love to be able to, I mean... <laughs> 
if I if I could just if I had a genie to grant me a wish, I would just I would want to like get a big plot of land and and have uh, all these different areas for meditation and and for therapy and yoga and just like a you know like a healing center, not not a hospital or a clinic or a, sure. Or a psychiatric ward, or just somebody somewhere to go for two weeks and smell the roses. Like a wellness, like a wellness right? retreat center. Right. I would love to be able to start something like that, where they could attend yoga yeah. classes in the morning and go birding. Yeah. <laughs> and just and you know no pharmaceuticals. Right. Just helping people work through things. So how long do you think it's going to take you to get your master's in this field? This program is quite a bit longer than the Micronesian Studies program. Okay. It's a 63-semester-hour program, so it's like doing the Micronesian program again twice. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Except with no, with no thesis. It's not a thesis writing. Uh, at, you know, you, you take a lot of, uh, you, you do internships. Oh, okay. And you have practicums, and it's just a lot of practicing and interning and working hands-on. It's very hands-on. I'm on the three-year plan, so okay. it's going to take me at least three years. Okay. I took one class last semester and one class this semester as a non-degree-seeking student mm-hmm. um, while I apply for admission, for formal admission, which I just got granted like three weeks ago. Wow. Congratulations. And, uh, yeah, I was admitted to my program for the fall semester coming up in August. Mm-hmm. So as of August, I will be in the program, and I'm just going to take two classes every semester. It's going to be fall, spring, summer, every fall, spring, and summer for the next three years. Wow. Yep, and uh, I'm looking forward to it because I'm going to, I want to integrate my creative oh, arts very into my practice. Interesting. Um, How do you plan to do that? Dancing, music, painting, Ah. gardening. My boyfriend and I are buying a a really nice property in North Fort Myers, and we're going to have acreage and and lots of space for for growing our own food and and having drum circles and a friend that teaches yoga that, that likes to teach outdoor yoga. And there's just so many so many things that we want to do with that space. Right. You know. so Very good. That sounds wonderful. That. Yep. This is Arlene Live, and we've got more coming up in just a moment. What's up, fellow online addicts? I'm Asha, and it's literally my job to scour the internet every day to see what you guys are saying about our stories and to see what you're snarking on. If you got beef with a particular island issue, we'll give your voice an extra boost on trend spotting. It's our weekly rundown of everything that's got you buzzing and what conversations you can't look away from. From the serious to the silly, from ludicrous news to legit headlines, from the weirdest Instagram posts to the most retweeted stories, 
to the insane DMs we get, we're going to show you the deeper side of what's making group chats, what's trending, and what you're sharing. So check out Trendspotting on YouTube, on Facebook Live, and on IGTV, all at KUAM News. If you've got something to say, sound off. We'll find you. And now, back to your show right here on the KUAM Podcast Network. Now, more Arlene Live on the KUAM Podcast Network. Yeah, I like your idea of incorporating the art part of your background into therapy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think... uh, the people, you know, the populations I would like to work for, that I would like to help, um, women who survived sexual abuse, mm-hmm. women who have worked in the sex professions, um, you know, queer, bisexual, gay, transgender, questioning, you know, sexual identity, um, cultural identity, mm-hmm. and you know, just a lot of the a lot of the life experiences that I've that I've had, a lot of the things that I've had to work through, mm-hmm. lot of, all the things that have come up that I've sort of acknowledged to myself and in, in just in the process of finding myself and fully accepting myself. Because, you know, even though I'm a badass and I was a stripper on Guam and, I, and I'm very flamboyant, you know, there's there's always a there was always kind of a part of me that was sort of insecure and, you know, a little bit apprehensive because of some stuff that happened when I was little. I was going to say, where did that come from? Yeah, from childhood. Yeah. yeah. Child abuse? Um, I wouldn't say abuse, but, like, it wasn't... It was a very... It, it was psychological sexual mm. abuse. I see. Yeah. Okay. So it was very subtle... But sometimes those just subtle, you know, where at one point in my life was like, well, was that did it, did, was that really abuse? Was that, I mean, he wasn't like hitting me every day or anything. But, you know, it's just one of those really subtle things, but it's so subtle and it happened for so long, mm. so subtly. But then now I realize that that really, it was, it was abusive. Mm. So. It, at least it made you feel uncomfortable, right? Yeah, yeah, it was very uncomfortable. Mm. And I think, and it's interesting because I think uh, becoming a stripper was sort of a way of validating my own sexual identity Mm. and my, you know, projecting my own sense of sexual self in in a way. Mm -hmm. I didn't know it back then. And it's interesting because... in 2006, after I was in Florida for a couple of years, uh, my friend Kelly Marsh invited me to submit a, submit a manuscript to the Micronesian Journal of Humanities and Social Sciences out of Australia. I don't mm-hmm. know if you're familiar with that journal. Yeah, because that's where she got her degree. Yes, where she got her doctorate degree. Mm-hmm. And so there was a journal out of there, and there was a guy... His name was Dirk, too. Dirk, Dirk Speneman. Speneman, yes. So I was emailing with him back and forth for several months, and he said, yeah, like, do a, do a, a synopsis of your master's 
thesis, let's turn it into a journal article, let's turn it into a mm-hmm. an academic journal article. And if and it's in there, it's published. So mm-hmm. I have my one publication that's just mine. Mm-hmm. And it's called Guam Striptease and Pacific Studies. Yeah, I remember and seeing that because he, he asked me to do similar with my work. Oh, yeah. Not surprising. Right. I actually yeah. flew to Australia and stayed in their home oh, and interviewed you. him for the uh, oh, really? Eating Alta Mariana series. Yep. Neat. He okay. married a really nice woman. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. It really makes a difference, you know, when you're married to somebody that that's a good partner for you. Oh, God, it makes all the difference in the world. Right, right. When you're, when you finally find someone that, that you can just, you feel so comfortable with. Mm-hmm. It's so open and just so just, you can just be yourself and just love so freely. And then you realize that, your past relationships, just, you know, the relationship I'm in now has just so much, it's so rich with love and, and good feeling and chemistry and connection. Mm-hmm. Well, I, mm-hmm. hope, I hope it continues to improve. Yes. What's the guy's name? His name is Andy Johnson. Johnson, okay. And how did you meet him? I met him at an African drumming and dancing workshop in uh-huh. 2015. <laughs> Is he a drummer? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, That's where the drum circle's coming from? Yes. Hmm. Yep. You know, I had an opportunity to MC a drum clinic last year. And I have to tell you, oh, wow. it was cool. a thrill. I don't like to MC. Good therapy. Yeah, but um, I had interviewed this drummer who comes from a family of drummers, and he went to some art school in D.C. or New York, and so he's really good. And um, wow. he took to my interviewing style, and he, he just became a believer kind of guy. And he said, would you please do me a favor what? and MC?" this clinic and I said oh because you asked me and and it was you know I've always liked the drums and uh, I wanted my son Spencer yeah I wanted my son Spencer to learn how to drum and Bob is a CPA and you know he he likes quiet after he comes home and he goes well you better pad those walls (laughs) yeah (laughs) right but we never did and and then I was hoping Gabriel would go into it but he wants piano so we are in the piano, but drums, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, I had a blast. Oh, yeah. That was so oh, enjoyable. So I know nothing about the drums, but, you know, I, I did some profiles on the drummers, and I went one by one, and it was very oh, exhilarating. Is it recorded somewhere? Is it, you know, is it I think it's funny because I didn't record it because I'm too busy doing the MCing, right? And I'm really You're bad MCing. about Did somebody take a... Did somebody get a video of you emceeing? You know, I, I want to say yes, but I, I don't see that. I don't know. Yeah, I'm very unscripted. I so. would love to see your. I would love to see your emceeing skills. Yeah. 
burlesque shows are guided well, with, a, you know, there's an MC right. at a burlesque show. You typically oh, really? have, like, you know, several numbers, and you have an MC in between just... Yeah, to carry the program. The audience. Sure. Yeah. Well, Larry, Larry Franklis was very, very pleased with it, and so were the drummers. They just, it, it was, I think Not they said one of the, <laughs> one of the best they'd ever had, right? And it's so cool. And it's so unscripted. I, you know, for me, I show up and Those I just, the best. I just go with the crowd. And you just, you're in the flow. Yes. There, you can't script it. How can you script something like that? There's no way. Nope. <laughs> no way. You got to go with the. Yeah. Each crowd dictates something from the presenter. <laughs> anyway, I wish you continued success, my friend. Oh, thank you so much. I'm proud and of you. Likewise. Likewise, it's it's great. I'm on. I'm looking at your website right now. Yeah. Your gotguam.com. I'm just kind of. I don't. Your uh, work has always been so amazing. Thank you. I don't. I don't update that site well or frequently, but because I'm so busy doing the work. But the um, KOAM mm -hmm. will be. You know, if you go to the SoundCloud and you log in there, and and I guess you, I don't know how the process is, but From you. KOAM. Yeah, the KOAM podcast network. If you go to SoundCloud and and sign in, okay. and then you get the updates as I update them. So this afternoon, I'm going to, after this interview, I'm going to go take a nap because I'm just still exhausted from the Saipan trip. Oh, my goodness. I give it my 100%, which is taxing, you know. Yeah. You've never been one to give any less. I enjoy what I do. It's been a privilege. Yeah, you, it's so neat to... Be your friend. It's it, oh. you and I are so different, you know. Yeah, but I I accept people the way they are. You know, I don't judge yeah. them. You're who you are. Mm -hmm. I'm who I am. Yep. I love how much we've always embraced each other, and I appreciate everything you do. And it's it's such important work that you do. It's so it's good to see. People just taking it upon themselves, you know? Yeah. But likewise, Anna, to be able to yeah. be successful at what you're doing and to be able to chart your life and take control of it, yeah, that's also very successful, and I'm very proud of you. Thank you so much. It's it's nice to talk to you. It feels like like this moment right now is, I feel like I'm recapitulating my whole <laughs> life since I've left Guam, you know, everything that, yeah. everything I did in Guam and how that came about and where I am now and all the challenges I've overcome. It's uh, an honor to share them with you. Oh, I'm happy that you're willing to share them with me yeah. and the listeners. And it's not something, it's not something that's easy to talk about mm -hmm. publicly, but I think I think this uh, this platform, your platform, is is the one for me to share mm. it on. So I'm glad. I'm so glad that you found me. Yeah, I'm just grateful though that you don't. You're not one of these that changes your phone number because if you did no, that, no, I've had the same phone number since 2002. Right. 
and and I'm this is the same very... phone number since the interview. Like I right, I got this phone number as soon as I moved to Florida. Uh, but my phone number is the same. Because otherwise, I would have lost you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just make sure that if you do change it, that you update me. Absolutely. I'm going to put you at the top of my <laughs> list of friends. I don't have to be at the top, just forever. in the list. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, I'm going to let you go. I know that it's probably late there now. What time is yeah, it for it's you? Yeah, time for bed. It's 11.10. Oh, yeah, time, time to go to sleep. And today is Monday. All right. So yeah. we're on a Tuesday <laughs> at 1 p.m. Yep, you're a little bit ahead. Mm. Well, you have a good evening and rest well and continued success. Have a good nap. Yes. <laughs> Meet you in dreamland. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be interesting. I can do that. Thank you, Anna. Really appreciate it. Okay, Arlene. It was great talking to you. God bless you. God bless you, too, and love you. I love you, too. Adios. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Arlene Live on the KUAM Podcast Network. Join her every Monday for a new edition. Log on soundcloud.com slash KUAM News or listen anytime. Scroll down and click on Arlene. We welcome your feedback and suggestions. Email Arlene, R-L-E-N-E at ArleneLive.com. Thanks for listening.